You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. I mean, it's a great opportunity early in the season to go against a great team like the Bills, to come back, be able to fix the things, and, you know, hopefully help us in the rest of the season. Just a technique on the, on the D-line. But I feel like it, it starts with us up front, and then, you know, it helps the DBs in their cover. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. There you go. You hear Tyree Wilson on the way back right there. Post game from the Bills talking about the opportunity to get back out there on the field this Sunday night at Allegiant Stadium primetime action against the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. My man Ari's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. We like to call it Studio Q. Let me go over the injury report real quick, and then we'll get to Raider X. Tyree Wilson, the man I just talked about, he was out with the illness on Wednesday. He was out with the illness on Thursday, so did not participate DMP on Wednesday and Thursday. That's not looking good for him and his opportunity to go play on Sunday. Chris Smith, the safety uh, illness, did not participate Wednesday or Thursday. Bilal Nichols, defensive tackle, hamstring and a hand injury, limited both Wednesday and Thursday. Jacoby Myers, wide receiver, concussion, limited on Wednesday, full participant on Thursday. Ding, 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 ding. That's really good. That means Jacoby Myers will be out there, uh, full participant playing Sunday night football. Safety, Marcus Epps, dealing with the quad injury, limited on Wednesday, full participant on Thursday. Uh, Devon Diablo, rib injury, limited on Wednesday, full participant on Thursday. And then Jacorian Bennett, dealing with the hamstring injury, limited on Wednesday and also limited on Thursday. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick. Talk to our guy, Raider X. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? All good. All good, brother. Yes, sir. Hey, so the, so the question is, uh, you know, when do we expect, uh, you know, the impact from Tyree Wilson? Yep. So, you know, what? We saw him for two games and some change during the preseason. Yes, sir. That ain't much, you know, from a dude that just came from, you know, with one leg, one leg, you know, and that hasn't played in a bit. So, you know, just being that bit, you know, take take uh, Max Crosby out of the front seven. Who else has been an impact? Nobody. 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 So why are we picking on this dude? You know, no, obviously the guy. No, hold on, hold on, you know, hold on, hold on. We're not picking on him. I'm just asking the question. No, no, no. I'm you know I'm I'm just being uh you know conversing and getting some you know some dialogue here. You know, I I understand not picking on, but it just seems like you know he's a, he's a he's uh the tenth you know the top ten pick you know, and I think we're a little bit oversensitive because of the, you know, the Cleveland Farrell pick. And we're saying, oh, damn, here we go again. And, you know, and I understand that. And the Raiders, you know, all the Raider base is like, damn, man, we screwed up again. You know, we, we drafted high and the guy's not going to do anything. You can already see the improvement in two games. Well, actually, the three games, even the preseason. Preseason, he looked like he was fast and doing all kinds of things, but he got to look kind of crazy because he's moving around and really didn't know where he was going. And then the second game, he looked like he was in the, in the mud. Well, the first game, the Denver game, looked right. like he was in the mud. And then you see, you know, the last game, yeah, his get-off is going good. You know, it looked like he's doing that bull rush because he looks like a strong dude. But now he also looks like he's peeking around. So, obviously, you know, experience, sitting there going through reps, developing some type of alternative move, you know, and I, and I do think that we're going to start seeing an impact. With, well, now, what's the impact? Obviously, like the other guys are saying, you know, at least set the edge. If he can set the edge, that is going to concern, you know, the the, the opposing offense, and is going to make plays go to Max Cross, and you know, and then we can start eating. But obviously, right now, it looks like you know he's still having some issues getting away from the block. 
like I said, I, I like the conversation. I like on how we have high expectations. And, yeah, we're hungry because we've been starving for a long time. And, you know, and this dude, he has the tools. You know, natural body, and you see the speed, you see the strength, but I don't think he has any. He's been through Pop Warner High School and college with a, a man playing amongst boys, so I don't think he ever had to develop any tools. But once we teach him, and Max gets in his, you know, starts giving it to him, we thought Chandler was going to teach him, but we, you know, other things went other ways. But um, I, I think we're in a good spot. I, 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 I'm, I'm excited about next year. I hate to wait for another year for him, but I think next year, after some, you know, some time, you know, with the Raiders, this guy's going to be a monster. I'm really excited, Q. Thank you. All right, thanks for the call. Appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, I don't want anyone to think that we're picking on him. Just uh, throwing out the conversation. Just asking when Raider Nation believes that they'll start to see the impact of one Tyree Wilson, the number seven overall pick in the past draft. Join us now on the phone lines as promised as we continue to uh, look at the Steelers as they're coming to town this Sunday for primetime action. Uh, the Raiders, their season, pre, their home season home opener. We have Mark Bergen believe in the Steelers. And, Mark, thanks so much for your time. We definitely appreciate you. We saw the Steelers Monday night get the win over the Browns, and they're 1-1 one one of the season. They had to have two defensive touchdowns to get it done. Uh, what has been the impact or how concerning is it that the offense isn't clicking so far? Yeah, seven points in the opener against the 49ers and the offense only mustering 12 against the Cleveland Browns because you see 26 points on the board, but that's really thanks to the heroics of Alex Highsmith, TJ Watt. Uh, they're as good of an edge rushing duo as there is in the league, but uh, this offense has just been troublesome and there's a lot of people calling for Matt Canada's job right now, the Steelers offense coordinator, but uh, thanks for having me. And look, I don't wish injury upon any player, but I'd be fine if Devontae Adams says, hey, I don't want to I don't want to play in this one. I know he's coming back from a concussion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he's coming back. And I, I don't know if he was even fully concussed, but yeah, he met with the media on Wednesday. He's good to go. Uh, Jacoby Myers, that's a good question. If he's going to be uh, available, he is coming back from a concussion for sure. So that'll be uh, interesting on the Raiders side of things when it comes to their offense. But Let's, let's focus on the Steelers' offense real quick. Uh, I know everyone's upset about the lack of production, but how much of that has to do with the fact that they played the Niners and the Browns, who have a really good defense? Well, that's really going to be the big litmus test this weekend on Sunday night, but then also in the coming weeks because the Steelers then have the Houston Texans, one of the bottom half teams in the league with the rookie quarterback, and then against Baltimore in week five. So that's really going to be the big question because, like, look, the 49ers, I think we can all agree, top five defense, maybe top three defense, maybe the top defense in the league. The Browns are very much improved defensively, too, with Jim Schwartz as their new defensive coordinator taking over for Joe Woods. So this the Steelers offense, though, the fans were teased because in the preseason, we saw five drives with Kenny Pickett, five touchdowns. And a lot of fans thought, OK, when you went seven and two on the back half, of the 2022 season that can be the basis of where you start the 2023 season well the preseason is a lot like a war reenactment it looks like the real thing it feels like the real thing it is not the real thing <laughs> right so this offense has struggled you can blame it on play calling with matt canada kenny pickett has struggled there's no doubt about that and then the offensive line has not played great like the running game has struggled to get going you look on the Monday night game, right? And most of the time, if you control the line of scrimmage in the running game in the turnover battle, you're going to win. The Steelers only had 21 rushes for 55 yards rushing. 
they're getting dominated at the line of scrimmage. And so when the offense just doesn't have it, the running backs don't have the holes to run through. Kenny Pickett doesn't have the time he needs back there for the play to develop. Um, it's almost like the Spider-Man meme where everyone's just pointing the finger at the other person and everyone needs to take accountability because this is not a recipe for success to have success in the NFL in 2023 and beyond with how bad this Steelers offense has been. Talking all things Steelers right now with Mark Bergen here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. You mentioned Kenny Pickett, second-year quarterback. What does he need to do, right? It looks like he's taking a little bit of a regression, but what does he need to do to take that next step forward as the franchise quarterback? The big thing is, I mean, like, move the ball, put up points, and he just, like, some of his decision-making has been questionable. He's been without Deontay Johnson, who got injured in the opener with a hamstring injury. But, like, this was the year where, look, you have an, a young offense to where – look at how the Steelers are set up, right? Most of their money is allocated to the defensive side of the football. Strong, stout defense. And they had the lowest salary cap of any offense in the NFL a year ago. But you bring in Allen Robinson, where the Rams are paying two-thirds to three-quarters of his, his contract. You draft Roderick Jones – in the first round to protect your blind side, someone who hasn't really seen the field a lot yet. I think that is coming in the coming weeks to try to establish the line of scrimmage. Uh, Darnell Washington, uh, another draftee out of Georgia. You've got Calvin Austin, the third and who's playing now in what's essentially his rookie year. My point being is this, the sum needs to equal its parts with this offense, because now you have all of the weapons and talent on paper and so then I go back to play calling with Matt Canada. You look at the Monday night game. Pat Fryermuth has been a plus at the tight end position, right? Why is he only being targeted once mm. in the Monday night game? This is a, a player who's demonstrated the ability to win one-on-one matchups in the passing game, go up and get it, combat catches. Why is he only getting one target when that is a position group at the tight end position that you have advantages? And so – Again, it goes back to a lot of the play callings not making sense relative to the personnel that the Steelers have. And this season, it's like I'm done with the excuses because last year, yes, it's a young offense. Yes, there's a lot of players that are trying to make their way into the league. On paper, you have a lot of talent and a lot of different uh, skill position players. I'm not going to list them all off. But when the sum's not equaling its parts, it's like, what's going on? Kenny Pickett, he, he's got to be able to put his receivers in a position to make plays. And that was one thing going into the year two. We saw George Pickens as a, have a 71 yard touchdown in the Monday night game. Right. Yep. And we want to see more of that. If George Pickens getting the ball in a variety of ways versus just, Hey, it's third down and long. Let's just have you run a go route and try to go make an acrobatic circus catch along the sidelines. That's not a strategy that plays not set up. It's not for Jalen Warren picking up a first down on a third and 10 on a key conversion. So I like what I've seen from him out of the backfield. I thought he had a better game than Najee Harris on Monday night. We can get into that too, but the offense has to look heck of a lot better and fast. If you want to salvage the season credit the Steelers though, because if you start out, Oh, and two, that's pretty much the kiss of death. If you're trying to make the playoffs. Yeah. You know, Warren and Pickens, obviously big time playmakers. I think Warren has a lot of juice and I'll definitely ask you about him, but when it comes to Pickens, how important is it to get him involved in the offense early? Not just like you said on a third and long and and make a go route play. Listen, the Raiders fans saw it a year ago, 50 years since the immaculate reception and the game winner late in that one uh, last season, late in the 2022 season. 
if you can get him the ball in space, if not for a knee injury coming into the league, he would have been a first round pick. Right. And so he's demonstrated freakish ability. And when I talk to my co-host, Ike Taylor, about this, this is a guy who played cornerback for 12 years in the league. And when he's gone to the Steelers training camp back-to-back years as part of his scouting responsibilities with the team, Ike literally played against everyone. Whether you want to say on the Steelers roster going against, you know, A.B., Heinz Ward, Plaxico Burris, uh, Mike Wallace, several talented receivers, or a who's who of the best NFL receivers from the 2000s and 2010s. And when he's telling me that George Pickens, he calls him an alien. (laughs) When he tells me that, that tells me everything I need to know about his ability. It's just, can you find creative ways to get in the football in space? I actually credit Matt Canada for having 10 targets for George Pickens. It's the efficiency that I want to see improved. Only four catches on 10 targets. I'm fine with 10, 15 targets for George Pickens. It's how can you improve that efficiency to keep the chains moving and try to light up the scoreboard. Talking right now with Mark Bergen, believe in the Steelers podcast here on Radio Nation Radio 920 and Necessary Roughness. So you mentioned Jalen Warren, Najee Harris. We're very familiar with Najee, even uh, him being a Bay Area guy. been paying attention to him for a very long time. What does that dynamic look like in the backfield? And do you think Warren should get more, uh, more touches throughout the course of the game? Well, I'll say this. If you look at the pure rushing stats, which is only one component of playing running back, Najee actually does have better rushing totals than Jalen Warren does in this season, but it's pass protection. It's catching the ball out of the backfield. And when you factor in those other things, I thought Warren gave the Steelers more of a spark on Monday night. And to start the second half, it was Warren who was getting touches at the start of the third quarter. And I thought then when Najee had his opportunities to carry the ball, he ran mad. He ran angry. But if the holes aren't there, Najee is more of a chain mover. He's not someone who's going to take it the distance. He's not a speedster. He's more of a bruiser. But he's got to run more north and south than he has been. Uh, I'll say this on his 22, or is it 21 or 22-yard rush where he reverses field? There was literally nothing there. But when I see Najee Harris in the open field, what I don't understand is it's almost like a car that's stuck in first gear and you want to move to second and third gear to make it go faster. And he just doesn't have the ability to do that relative to other NFL players. And so for him, he's got to focus on, can I get three, four, five, six, seven yards at a time versus the long runs that you tend to more get with Jalen Warren. I think ultimately the Steelers are going to need both players if they want to have any kind of success this season, because in the third and fourth quarter, especially once it gets colder out and you get into November, December, January, Tackling a player like Najee Harris is no fun for an opposing defender. So I think Najee's gotten a lot of flack, uh, unnecessarily so given I, I don't think very highly of how the Steelers' offensive line has played. At the same time, let's be honest right now, right? Najee's in his third year, he'll, fourth year, and then fifth year, the team has the option as a first-round pick to pick up his fifth-year option. Right now, if I was the Steelers' front, offense, uh, front office, I would not pick up his fifth-year deal based on how he's played to this point. That being said, he has demonstrated the ability to stay healthy, and I'm hoping that if the offensive line can get more of a push up front at the line of scrimmage, you can see his abilities better showcased than you've seen through the first two weeks of the season. Mark, you mentioned the offensive line a couple times there. Of course, uh, they're going to be going up against Mad Max Crosby. Everyone knows who 98 is now. How concerning is is Max and the Raiders' defensive line in this matchup as far as you're concerned? 
Yeah, when the Steelers schedule came out and I saw 49ers, you see Browns, you see Raiders. So it's yeah, I always get the Bosa brothers mix, mixed up. <laughs> Nick Bosa in yep. San Francisco, yep. Miles Garrett in Cleveland, and then Max Crosby. I, I said this, I was like, look, Broderick Jones can start when he's ready, but I don't want to f- throw a rookie in, in into the, you know, straight from the frying pan right into the fire, if you will. He's a player you have to know where he's lined up on all plays in, in if the Raiders are creative, you could move him around. He's going to create matchup disadvantages, regardless of where he's lined up off the edge. And so that's a player you have to be cognizant of on this Raiders defense. I do think sooner rather than later, the Steelers say, Hey, we're going to start Broderick Jones at left tackle, probably move Dan Moore jr. Who's the starter right now over to right tackle, and then that would bump Chooks or core four off at the right tackle position. Part of the reason I do that, too, is if you look at the salary cap situation for both Dan Moore Jr. and Chooks or core four, they're both under contract for this season and next season. Dan Moore Jr. is heck of a lot cheaper than Chooks or core four. So, look, in terms of Max Crosby, he's a guy who can absolutely wreck a game. So you have to know where he's at on the field. And if it's Dan Moore Jr. at the left tackle position, like he's going to have his work cut out for him trying to stop Max Crosby, point blank, period. Mark, I wanted to flip over to the defensive side of things. Of course, we know about Highsmith. We know about Watt. They're nice, uh, they're nice bookends, right? And both scored touchdowns on Monday Night Football. But so far, the Steelers have struggled to stop the run, and I know Cam Hayward is out coming back from that, uh, that groin injury. So what do they have to do to stop the run? Like, what, why, why are the Steelers' defense struggling to stop the run right now? Well, if you look at the Monday night game, a lot of the yardage was picked up. Jerome Ford had like a 69-yard rush where he reverses field. And there's an old slogan, if you lose contain, you lose the game. And uh, Levi Wallace is getting a lot of flack. He didn't have a great game on Monday night. The cornerback who's supposed to fill on the backside, but Nick Fitzpatrick did not take a great pursuit angle either on that play. It's eliminating the big chunk plays like that by just having sound gap discipline. So the Monday night totals are a bit inflated because you give up a long, long rush, but you know that the Cleveland Browns are going to move the football. When Nick Chubb was in there, I'm of the opinion that had he stayed healthy, the Browns win that game on Monday night. And look, I never wish injury upon any player, let alone uh, a division opponent or a rival, if you will. I Mm -hmm. hope he can get back on the field as quickly as possible because he's as talented as there is of any running back in the league. And I know, by the way, in week one, too, you've got to go up against Christian McCaffrey, who's as good a back as there is in the league, too. So part of it's matchups as well. Uh, but that's been kind of the MO with the Steelers. It's why they bring in new middle linebackers this season. They said so long to Devin Bush and Miles Jack. We're going to go out and get Cole Holcomb. We'll get a Landon Roberts and then Quan Alexander, too. All three of those players have gotten in the mix up front to try to shore up your front seven. And so stopping the running game, like it's not flashy, it's more meatball, it's more old school. But being able to control the clock, time of possession, and win the turnover battle, if you do those things, you're going to win more games than not. Wanted to ask you about rookie Joey Porter Jr. He made a nice play at the end of the game on Monday night to really seal the deal for the Steelers. Uh, some people look at it like myself as could have been a legal contact, but okay, he made the play, he made the play. What have you seen from uh, Joey Porter Jr., especially after coming off that big that big play on Monday night? Yeah, I think that's just going to help his confidence because with a young player, of course you're going to get targeted and credit the Browns for saying, okay, you're going to put a rookie on the field. Let's see if he can can make the play and Let's see what his ability is. And I think you'll see him more and more because 
Levi Wallace has struggled in the first two weeks of the season. Patrick Peterson, who's played at all pro levels in this league, he's in the last few years of his career. So I think as he gets more and more comfortable, he'll get more and more snaps. But again, with how the NFL is in 2023, when other teams are going to run three receiver sets, four receiver sets, and sometimes go totally empty, you keep linebackers out on the field, opposing offenses are going to pick you apart all day. So I think you'll get more and more and more snaps. And for me, it's really cool to see the number 24 out there making plays for the Steelers <laughs> again. And then given the, you know, what his dad did for several years playing at the highest level in this league, a lot of Steelers fans would have been cool drafting Joey Porter Jr. with the 17th overall pick. Steelers say, okay, the enemy of my enemy is a friend. We'll trade up to 14 to get Broderick Jones. It prevents the Jets from drafting Broderick Jones at 15. Uh, Patriots end up getting Christian Gonzalez, also a talented defensive back. But then the Steelers get Joey Porter Jr. at number 32. Uh, Tremendous value there. And so, you know, the Steelers address needs that they had of getting the offensive line and proving that. And then the secondary, which wasn't good enough a year ago. But again, going back to the offensive line, too, when I look at Pressure allowed when defenses don't blitz in Pittsburgh, second in the league at 47%. The Jets, the team that I mentioned, is 52% in that regard. So I think we'll see Broderick Jones sooner rather than later. But with Joey Porter Jr. too, like it, it's just special given his connection to Pittsburgh. That's just, it's really, really special to see. When he had an interception in his very first preseason game, a game played at Akershire Stadium, formerly Heinz Field in Pittsburgh, PA. When he does that during the regular season, that's just going to be an awesome moment. And you hope that he can take that confidence and that swagger and that next play mentality that you need as a cornerback. It's got to be next play. You got to have a very, very short memory because it's not, okay, hey, what I've done to this point, it's what I'm doing now and what I'm doing next at the cornerback position. To, to me, quarterback, probably quarterback, cornerback, and left tackle are the three toughest positions to play. And so to get confidence as a young player, that's the biggest thing that I see on that play with Joy Porter Jr. Yeah, no, that was big time right there. Again, sealing the deal on Monday Night Football with everybody watching. I thought that that was pretty awesome. And, of course, really special for him with the family lineage right there with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, Mark, as we close this out, for the Steelers to win this game Sunday Night Football, primetime action, uh, what has to happen? See, I have the matchup Max Crosby versus the Steelers offensive line because Mm. that's absolutely scary to me. And I know we talked about it before, but to me it's what Crosby brings to the table, but then – the lack of success that the Steelers have had on offense to this point since Matt Canada has taken over as the Steelers offense coordinator in the 2021 season. Every other NFL team has at least three games of 400 yards or more. The Steelers don't have any. So I don't know if that happens in this weekend's matchup against the Raiders, but the offense has to be heck of a lot better than putting up seven points in the opener against the 49ers in only 12 in week two against the Browns. Can they get better? Because to be honest with you, I don't think that they can get much worse than they've been to this point. (laughs) Right. There's no doubt. Well, it should be interesting. Two teams trying to find their identity offensively, right? The Raiders have struggled to run the ball, and we know that they've got Devontae Adams, uh, potentially Jacoby Myers coming back, but the offense hasn't really been clicking yet uh, as of late. So it should be interesting. But Sunday night football, like I said, everyone's going to be paying attention. Allegiant Stadium, Vegas, it should be a whole lot of fun, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, You mentioned the show with Believe in the Steelers podcast, you and Ike Taylor. Uh, What do you guys got coming out that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, so we'll have our preview show coming out on Friday in advance of the Sunday night game, and then we'll have a full recap 
on Monday morning. I appreciate you having me. If you want to check out Believe in Steelers, probably the easiest way is to go to YouTube, pop in my name, Mark Bergen. You can search Ike Taylor. You can find us there. We're also on Apple and Spotify as well. But thank you so much for having me on your show. And we'll see what happens on Sunday night. I'm hoping the Raiders don't get revenge after last year's <laughs> game because 50 years since the Immaculate Reception, the greatest play in NFL history, in my opinion. Uh, I, I think there's going to be a little bit of bl- bad blood after last year's game. I know we've got a new quarterback with Jimmy G. It's no longer Derek Carr's show, but how the Steelers match up and then how they perform offensively. Like I would be shocked if they fired Canada midseason. It's just not like the franchise to do that. But there's been a lot of discussion about that going into this game, how all that unfolds on Sunday night. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun, man. I know uh, the the family for uh, Kenny Stabler is gonna be recognized for his Hall of Fame. They're gonna get their Hall of Fame ring, so it's gonna be a little nostalgia there, similar to last season uh, when there was the you know the Franco Harris and of course the passing of him right before the game. That was uh, that was wild too. So uh, there's a lot of history in this matchup that we'll see on Sunday night. So uh, Mark, thanks so much for your time, man. Great stuff as always. You guys are doing a great job there at the Believe Podcast Network, and of course you and Ike Taylor believe in the Steelers. We definitely appreciate you this afternoon. Oh, man thank you again no doubt no doubt mark bergen right there believing the steelers joining us here to talk all things pittsburgh steelers in this matchup man and there is there's a lot of history between these two teams when it comes to the steelers and the raiders and it's going to be on full display primetime action sunday evening looking forward to it looking forward to the pre-pre-show that'll start at 2 p.m you can hear our radio nation radio 920 of course the pre-game show jt the brick and eric allen and i know that there's going to be plenty of alumni in the building and there'll be some really good guests that jt and ea have uh, right there at the Coors Light Landing as well. So make sure if you're coming to the game, come by the Coors Light Landing, hang out with us, chop it up with us, take pictures with your friends and families, and soak it in and enjoy yourself. Prime time action. One guy that will be in the building for sure will be Lincoln Kennedy, former Raider offensive lineman, part of the broadcast network, along with Jason Horowitz. Lincoln Kennedy joins the show next to talk about this matchup coming up Sunday night. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs' six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas-area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. Was it unnecessary? Completely, obviously. And I mean, and depending on how you look at it, I mean, certain players play a certain way too. Some people out of control, they fly around, they don't really have much true purpose out there. I mean, that's the type of stuff that contributes to you not being on the field. You know, that's why you're in when you're blowing them out by 25 at the end of the game. Maybe if that man learns how to play the game the right way, he'll see the field. But he, until then, he'll to go and live off a of place like that, I guess. Las Vegas Raiders color analyst Lincoln Kennedy joins Unnecessary Roughness right now on Raider Nation Radio. Coming back, you hear Devontae Adams talking about the hit he took from Taylor Rapp at the end of the game on Sunday that made him leave because of, well, concussion-like symptoms. He had to get tested out for that, but he is good to go. He was actually good to go immediately after the game, so we heard that on Monday. That is good. We found out earlier today that Jacoby Myers was a full participant as well in practice, which is also well. Right now, we're talking to Lincoln Kennedy, former Raider offensive lineman and part of the Raider broadcast. Lincoln, thank you so much for your time. It's always great to catch up with you, my man. And How big is it that Jacoby Myers will be back for Sunday night's game against the Steelers? Well, I think it's 
huge because we saw the chemistry they had in game one in Denver between him and Jimmy G. So I think that's essential and help creating a little bit more balance uh, and effectiveness to the offense. Look, you know, regardless, forget balance. They just need to be effective. They need to score more points. They understand their defense has holes. And they're not shut out everyone, but when you take a team like Pittsburgh, whose offense continues to struggle, who's led by their defense, you want to make sure your offense is as efficient as possible. Lincoln, let me take you back to when you were playing. If you came off a tough loss, like one where you just your team just got beat, like the, the Raiders did to, to Buffalo on Sunday, what was the mindset throughout the course of the week as far as practice goes so you didn't allow that loss to beat you twice? Well, you, you, want to have a, you want to have a real short memory in the National Football League, Hugh. So the thing is you want to let the game, after you have your dealings with it, you let the game go and you get ready for the next one. And you understand that at this particular point, one game does not make or break the season. So you got to find a way to bounce back, bounce back. What I always did is I always try to reflect upon myself and try to figure out from the film, what could I have done better or what could I have done more of uh, to be a little bit more effective. And then if you're hoping that every man on the team is accountable in that way, then you can probably get better and get past it. But you also have to understand what the holes are, what the deficiencies are, what do you need to get better at, and more importantly, find a way to try to figure, figure out a way collectively, uh, along with the coaches or even individually at first, and then spread it to your teammates uh, on how to fix it and how to be better. You mentioned on Tuesday that you thought the offensive line was playing a little high. Is that something that they could look at on film and say, okay, you know what, we need to get lower ourselves a little bit and, and correct quickly? I would like to think so. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you probably don't notice it uh, until you actually do notice it, but then it's too late. But, again, you also have to understand this. The current climate for most of the National Football League alignment are up stance. Mm-hmm. Very few of them get in a three-point stance anymore. Uh, so I don't know if that's where, you know, you have some guys who probably never done it and aren't very strong at it. Um, but I would think that, you know, the lesson that I took from, you know, that, that, that Buffalo game is the fact that our offensive guards are playing higher than their defensive tackles, and a lot of times they're getting pushed in the backfield. The Raiders' offensive line has not surrendered a sack yet. I mean, it's only been two games in the season, but now they have T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith coming to town, and we know those bookends could get after it. How big of a test is it going to be for that Raiders' O-line? Well, it's going to be huge because if you're going to have to do what teams have done to Max Crosby – and double team, you know, uh, TJ Watt, then you're going to have to make sure that Heisman some help for Colton Miller. And that's what we call max protection, where you're protecting the ends with either a back or two tight ends or, you know, some, some sort of combination. Well, if you think about that, then you think about the people who are eligible to go out for a pass, you're limited there. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's, um, you, you, if you do max protection and the receivers that go out or go out are ineligible, have to find a way to get open. You have to find a way to get them the football, or you have to do something to deter this rush. But, you know, T.J. Watt's seen it all. Um, so has Highsmith, High, High and and this is a very talented group with or without Cam Hayward. Yeah, no doubt. And he's a he, – man, he's a force in the middle, but uh, he's not going to be there, obviously, but right. that defense is still going to be tough for the Raiders. Again, Lincoln Kennedy is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Now, you mentioned before when you see uh, – when you see uh, – now I forget – oh, Munford. Munford in, in the in the game, you know that it's yeah. going to be a run. They're not going to throw a pass to him. How quickly do you think Michael Mayer could, could get established as a real-deal blocker? Well, I mean – to me, blocking is all about bit has always been about the will and desire to do it. Okay. There's nothing glamorous about it. You know, there's nothing show off that you go, hey, look at me. Right. No, no. It doesn't it doesn't work like that. But if you have 
if you have the wherewithal to where you're not going to be stopped and you want to do this, then that's, that's where blocking comes into, comes okay. into play. I remember talking to, you know, a number of tight ends that I played next to. I'm like, look, I don't care what the coaches told you. If you're lined up next to me, you're a blocker first, you're a receiver next. Because we're going to do things together. You right. see what I'm saying? Yeah. But that's also been one of those things where you, you have to tell them what you expect out of them. As, as, especially when they're lined up and they have the, the, the you know, they have the, uh, the assignment to bl- help you block or block the end or block with you, something like that. that, is that that's all about desire to me. Is that something that Jermaine Illuminar could do to Michael Mayer, or does it take a better veteran, a bigger veteran like, like you were? No, 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 no. Illuminar has been in the league long enough, and, okay. and if you're a newcomer coming in like Mayer, you don't really have the right to say anything to whom. You're not a veteran, you're a rook. Right. You, 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 still got, you still got water behind your ears, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you, you, there's, there's a number of things that he's got to learn, and anybody can say it. It's just who's going to do it. You know, that's part of leadership. You know, Luminor needs to understand how valuable someone like a blocking or a capable tight end next to him is because he could do so much. It opens up the run game. It opens up passing opportunities. More importantly, it'll give you help to slow down those defensive ends that are notorious to that rusher from that side. So, you know, you could, you could use the help in order to give Jimmy G a little bit more time. But like I said, if they're going to go max protection – and protect against the ends of Watt and Highsmith, then you're really going to have to worry about um, you know these receivers getting open on the next level downfield. Talking with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. What do you think it's going to take to get Hunter Renfro involved in the offense? Run the football? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's simple. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's one of those things where if you want somebody involved, you know, you make them involved. There's mm-hmm. never been a time where you've had a, a quality receiver like Devontae Adams and you haven't tried to get him the football one way or the other. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's one of those things where with Hunter Renfro, put him out there, let him run his routes, throw him the football. Do things that you think can get in, and he can get open and he can showcase his talent. Because I, I still think he's a hidden talent in this receiving core that has yet to be uh, touched or being used. Yeah, I asked Coach McDaniels about that on Monday, and he said that there was times on Sunday that they missed him, that they should have got him the ball, but they just didn't. And I saw Jimmy connect with them in training camp, so I don't understand why it's not – and it's only been two games, but I don't understand why it hasn't connected in the regular season. Well, these, some, these things sometimes take a little bit of a process, man. It does. It takes a little bit of a process and a work towards, and then an effort in the game. Once somebody shows what they can do in the game, they usually it usually sits in the back of your mind. Oh, I didn't know you can do it like that. Okay, all right, all right. Well, let's bet. Let's go. Let's go. So right. those are things that you can work off of. But again, it's really hard to quantify where somebody is at, where this team is at, after only having two games under your belt, because there's still so much more football to be played. Again, we're talking with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 921. To flip over on the defensive side of things, we know what Max is going to bring to the table. His effort is is unmatched by anyone else. There's got to be someone else to help out, and we know this Chandler Jones situation. We know Chandler's not going to be out there. I feel like it puts more pressure on Tyree Wilson. How does he become an impact on this defense? It doesn't have to be sacks, but how does he start to really kind of make his presence felt? He just has to go out there and do it. You know, you know, Max Crosby, when Max first became, you know, the, the condor and was out there, I mean, he wasn't necessarily getting sacks, but he was disruptive. And I think that's what you can do as a defensive end. You can be disruptive. You don't always have to get sacks. Sure, sacks are the greatest reward, but you don't have to get sacks. If you can get in the backfield and disrupt the run, maybe throw off its timing, and maybe, you know, the rest of your, your, your teammates could corral the, the, the would-be run, ball runner and be able to secure it from there. Those are the type of things that you need to have rise. And what you saw last week in the, the, the Cleveland and Pittsburgh game, even when they took T.J. Watt out of the, out of the, you know, the, the play somewhat the, by blocking him, you had other guys coming around, whether it was Highsmith or anybody else 
that was making a play on the quarterback and harassing the quarterback in, in the uh, in the pocket. That's what the Raiders need to have. Yeah, and is it a thing, Lincoln, where it's just like unleash him and let him rip, or is it you know I know you're not a fan of the you know bring him along slowly type phase. What what do you do with him? Well, you put him out there, you tell him to play fast. Got you it. know, a uh, coach once told me he's like, I don't care if you make a mistake as long as it's 100 miles per hour. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. I can go hit anybody. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you just want to see the guy play fast. Of course you want them to get it. Right. Of course you want them to be effective. As long as they're doing their assignment at 100%, you know, 100% that they have the capability and they're going fast, I, I don't see anything wrong with that because that, that right there, that type of effort alone can be disruptive. What have you thought about the linebackers, Spillane and Diablo, so far? Spillane's playing really well. He's a tackling machine, especially this past week. Um, I'm just worried about the durability because he's not a big guy. Mm-hmm. So, again, you've got to find some of these block eaters to take a little bit of load off of these guys to allow them to, to shave. And, you know, Diablo, and especially on that nice that one blitz where he got a sack, I thought has done well, too. But more importantly, Diablo's done a better job this season of covering backs cleanly out of the backfield, which is, I think is a plus. You mentioned the space eaters, and I remember talking about those guys quite a bit, the guys up front last season. Uh, what have you seen from those guys, and, and why is it so hard to find a defensive tackle, a dominant defensive tackle that can get consistent pressure on the quarterback? Well, because in this day and age, you're kind of asking for two, two different things. Most dominant defensive tackles aren't ones that escape, like the old ones like John Randall and Warren Sapp that are slippery. Most of the defensive tackles these days play through the man, and they play through the man with two hands and two gap and stuff like that. Of course, you have the Aaron Donalds, but you, those are talking. You're talking about right. rare, yeah. rare people. You know what I mean? That, yeah, that yeah. People are doing things. That's not every defensive tackle. And defensive tackles, like offensive linemen, have to have as many snaps as possible to kind of grow into themselves to figure out what they can do strongly on this level. Because you're not you're not just always going to go and be able to bull rush everyone. So to have for have a defensive tackle that's slippery and escapable like that, there aren't a whole lot of them around um, and necessarily notorious. It's mostly the defensive ends. You kind of have to develop these defensive tackles over time. Fletcher what? Cox comes to mind. Look how long he's been in the league. Yeah. You know what I mean? Guys yeah. like that. Um, so it's you know the Chris Joneses are they're hard to find. So certainly would like to have one, but they're not everywhere. They're not easy to find. What have you thought about the, the ones that the Raiders have this year and Nichols and, and Tillery's there and others? They've done, they've done a j- solid job with the rotation, I think, that as best a job that you can do. The fact is you just get worn down. Right. As the game goes on, there's only so much you can do, and there's only so many times you can swap people out before they get worn down. You can't afford to have the time possession against the Raiders like it was last week in the Bills and, and think you're going to be successful. Again, Lincoln Kennedy is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. He'll be on the call along with Jason Horowitz Sunday night, Allegiant Stadium, primetime action, Raiders and Steelers. And, Lincoln, how special is it to play on Sunday night football? Well, anytime you get to be the showcase, the main game of the day or the night, it's, it's, it's wonderful. The problem is, is just sitting around waiting all day. That's the hardest <laughs> thing. On Sunday night, Monday night football, you're waiting the entire day. And if you're on Monday night football, well, then you wait the entire Sunday. You kind of feel that itch like I should be playing. But you still have to wait another day into the evening before it starts. So, you know, Sunday night is one of those rewards where, you know, a team, people want to see you because that's the reason why you're showing up on Sunday night. And, uh, and you're the only game on for the rest of the night. So you got to hopefully you finish it with style. Does it uh, feel the same when you're on the call, like you're just sitting around waiting around to get, get on the call? Absolutely. <laughs> waiting all day for football to start. And you're watching so much football. I mean, the thing is that we'll have our fill 
by the time we get to our game because we'll have a, a full day of Sunday and then, of course, all the day of Saturday uh, and everything before. So it starts tonight with Thursday night football. Yep. Carries through the weekend. That's what's the great thing about this season. I'll tell you, I thought it was just me. I sit around, get ready for the pre-pre-show, and I'm like, man, is it time yet? Is it go time? Let's go. <laughs> You're <laughs> so, not the only one, my friend. <laughs> no, yeah, clearly, clearly not. So let's wrap up with this. How special is this rivalry, uh, Raiders-Steelers? Remember uh, Christmas Eve last year, but now it's, a, it's, in a, it's in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. i tell you what, it's one of the more special rivalries that I've had a chance to be a part of. When you look at the history between these two organizations, you go back to the 70s and 80s, and it seemed like every time they faced each other, it was for probably the chance to go and play a Super Bowl. And, 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 and of course, it, that's, that's the great thing about it. It's, um, it's one of those robberies that kind of sticks with you, and you want to be, be the best at it. And let one slip away last year when it was cold as hell back in Pittsburgh. Uh, I remember it vividly because <laughs> it was just blistering. Right. But, uh, you know, you go back to all the times you played them, and, you know, you could take your certain rewards, but you know this. Pittsburgh fans are going to travel well. They always do. There's going to be plenty of those damn yellow towels waved around. Let's give them a reason to shove it somewhere, if you know what I mean, kid. Hey, I know exactly what you mean. That's a great mic drop moment right there from the great Lincoln Kennedy. Lincoln, thanks so much. It's always great. I'll see you in the press box on Sunday. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. All right, my man, there he goes. That's a great mic drop moment right there from Lincoln Kennedy. Take those yellow towels and you know what to do with it. I like it. I like it. Good stuff right there. I know Passionate Raider would appreciate that as well. He's called a couple times this week talking about them damn yellow towels, the little terrible towels that they want to call them, whatever it is, right? Ain't worried about it. But uh, great stuff there from Lincoln Kennedy. We definitely appreciate him. 344 is the time. We want to hear from you. 69187, keyword R&R, and, of course, 702-365-9200. Been asking about Tyree Wilson not picking on Tyree Wilson at all just asking questions about the rookie at what point do you think he starts to make an impact on this uh, Raiders defense and how long do you think is a reasonable amount of time to give the young man uh, before you start really expecting him to make a big time impact again you can hit us up at 69187 keyword R&R 702-365-9200 let's do it again man let's go ahead and get someone hooked up right now the ultimate Raiders hookup trying to get you in to win these tickets these field passes and this autographed player jersey how are we going to do that well we're going to give you some merchandise right some kind of Raider merchandise maybe an image gift card whatever the case may be we'll look in the closet we'll find something we're going to get you hooked up call number 9 702-365-9200 702-365-9200 this is Raider Nation Radio 920 this is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Q. Big ups to my guy Tom. He was calling number nine. He got in to win the Ultimate Raiders hookup. Two tickets to the game Sunday night. Two field passes. Autographed player jersey. We get to do this a couple times a year. Definitely appreciate that. He's getting registered by, uh, by getting hooked up with some Raider merchandise or a Raider image gift card, whatever the case may be. But more importantly, He's got the grand prize in his eyesight. Again, two tickets to the game Sunday night, two field passes, and an autographed player jersey. So congratulations, Tom. We do appreciate you coming up at the top of the hour. We'll hear from Vinny Bonsignor, who's been at the Raider, the Raider facility today for practice. Got an opportunity to go into the locker room. We may get some sound from the locker room in between uh, you know, now and the end of the show. We'll see. But uh, Vinny Bonsignor will join us coming up at 4 o'clock. Threw the question out there about Tyree Wilson, the rookie, number seven overall pick out of Texas Tech. And at what point – do you think that he'll start to make an impact on this Raiders defense? And we just talked with Lincoln Kennedy. I thought he said some really good things, right? I don't care if he makes mistakes. Just go out there and 
go 100 miles an hour. You know, I'd rather you make a mistake at 100 miles an hour than not going full speed and, and, and still not be an impact. So thought that that was pretty good stuff from, uh, from Lincoln, especially on uh, Tyree Wilson. If you missed that or any of the conversations that we have here on Radio Nation Radio 920, you can always go back to our website, our new and improved website, let me tell you lvsportsnetwork.com it is fantastic a lot of folks behind the scenes did a really good job to make sure our new website is looking great again lvsportsnetwork.com and uh, they have all the podcasts from the morning tailgate from jt the brick from unnecessary roughness not to mention our sister stations as well fox sports las vegas espn las vegas twelve thirty. the game it's all right there lvsportsnetwork.com of course is brought to you by porta subs and if you need some porta subs why not right maybe you're not going to go to the game on Sunday. Maybe you need supportive subs in your life. Maybe you're going to have one of them parties at the house, a fiesta, a taco e taco party. Who knows? Maybe that's the case. But if you decide you want some subs, you could do that. Have them at the house, man. Porter Subs will hook you up in a major way. Uh, so, yeah, definitely appreciate them for uh, being a proud sponsor here on Radio Nation Radio 920 and, of course, lvsportsnetwork.com. Uh, I had a couple texts and tweets that I wanted to get to our guy, Ravi. Definitely appreciate him t- tweeting at us at RNR 920 AM at Ari produces and at your boy Q254. And he said, Q, I have a bad feeling about Tyree Wilson pick. Liz Frank injuries are bad. A lot of guys never get to the same levels before. Every time I watch Tyree Wilson, he looks like he is mentally not there and shows no enthusiasm. Hope I'm wrong and he becomes a great player. And, you know, I always say, and, it's just, and thank you for the, the tweet, by the way, I always say that a thinking man is a slow man. It's, I know it's a, it's a saying that people are like, oh, yeah, whatever. But it's, it's real. If you think and if you heard anything that came out of Chicago yesterday, and believe me, there was a ton that came out of Chicago yesterday, that was one of the things that quarterback Justin Fields was talking about. He has so much going on in his mind that he wasn't playing at the level and the speed that he should be playing at. I think right now Tyree Wilson's got a lot going on through his head. I think he's a hell of a player. I really do. Uh, I liked what he did at Texas Tech. I think that he's going to really have a big impact in the NFL. I just knew, and I think everyone really knew, that coming out of the Big 12 and coming out of Tech, that he was really raw. And he was really a man amongst boys there. And he's going to take some time to kind of mold and, and gel into who he's going to be. But do think he has the opportunity to be a really, really good player, a really impactful player. And hopefully he ends up being that, that bookend edge rusher across from Max Crosby that he was expected to be when he was drafted. I think we have to be a little bit patient with him. You know, and again, he was kind of thrust into this position unexpectedly to be the guy, the impact guy immediately uh, because of the loss of Chandler Jones. But thank you so much, Robbie, for that tweet. I do appreciate you. Dave B. in the 757 said, Q, with respect to Tyree Wilson topic and when we can or should expect an impact from him, in the time leading up to the start of the season, I think you spoke of gradually getting reps through the first four to six weeks and then having an impact mostly in the second half. This was when we thought we'd have Chandler Jones and gradually working them in was a thing. Where we are at now is now getting him more reps early based on what we're seeing due to, to the date. I think the midseason notion of him having an impact is a bit much. I hope he proves me wrong, though. That's Dave being the 757. And uh, to the point of it is just uh, the, the impact won't be able to come along as slowly as we kind of thought because he's going to be needed more. But now he's having to try to, I guess, process more at the same time. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. I kind of totally understand what you're talking about there. And uh, that was kind of what I thought, like four or six seven weeks, whatever, 
second half of the season, you'll really start to see him come along. But that was, again, learning from Max and Chandler. And now we know that Max is the one that's going to be teaching them, and that's really all. Well, we'll ask Vinny Bonsignor. He'll join us to start off hour number three. We'll get his thoughts on what to think about Tyree Wilson and when he should expect him. Uh, you know, could he be a potential impact player for the silver and black? And, of course, we'll go inside the Raiders locker room and see what he had to say and who he talked to today and what he saw as far as practice goes as well. Again, he kicks off hour number three of the show here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. We still have winning on the way as well, power trip. We got two tickets to that. Uh, we'll do it all in the third hour. We kick things off next with Vinny Bonsignor. He'll join us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.